maroon, which is kind of purple, red. All right. Good. Awesome. So Peter's handing out the notes. If you don't have any, just uh, raise your hand. He'll get those to you. So I'm sharing tonight because Jamie and Jamie, they, uh, Jamie girl has been sick all week with, with uh, like bronchitis or pneumonia. So pray for her. And then their daughter, Noel, got sick this morning. So just pray for the Pridgen family and, um, and pray for them for healing in their household. So I'm filling in tonight for Jamie. And we're continuing our series on Daniel. And tonight's message is from Daniel chapter 6. One of my daughters, she's five years old, favorite story is Daniel in the Lion Den. We made a point to read it tonight before she went to bed, before I came over here to preach on it. And I feel like I am just brimming. I feel filled up with revelation tonight to share with you guys on this, on this message. And I couldn't quite land the right title for this message, but it came to me during worship. Do you guys want to know what it is? It's How to Not Get Eaten by Lions. It's the name of the message. Okay, so if you're in here tonight and you want to know how to not get eaten by a lion, this is very important. You think I'm kidding, but I'm very serious. How to not get eaten by a lion, pay very close attention to this message. Because if you ever are in jeopardy of ever being eaten by a lion, the things I'm going to share with you tonight are going to be very critical for you to understand. Amen? Okay, good. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into our message tonight. If we could get that up on the projection, please. How to not get eaten by a lion. I'm half kidding, but it would be kind of cool if we got that up there, just to remind us what the core of this message really is about. Okay, good. So you guys ready? You going to pray with me? Amen. Let's pray. And I'm kind of feeling a little zippy tonight, so if I preach a little fast and a little intense, please excuse me. I do want to get us done and into the altar by 9.15. You guys can make bets on whether I'm able to do that or not. Christian, Christian is not sure. You know, you know, people who've heard me preach are like, no way. But come on now, people. Miracles can happen. They can happen today. All right, good. So let's pray. In the name of Jesus, I just ask right now, Father, for the spirit of revelation upon the word of God something that's a story we've heard from our childhood that we've read so many times. God, I pray that new things would jump out of this story to us, God. You would illuminate things in our heart and our mind, and I pray just the Word of God would be fascinating to us, that the Holy Spirit would breathe on the Scripture that He has composed and written and inspired, and He would make this living Word powerful and effectual tonight for the changing of our lives. I thank You that You are present in this house, Holy Spirit. I thank You that You are being felt in this place and that You are speaking, God. And I thank you, Lord, that apart from you, I can do nothing, but I thank you that you are here, that you are with us, and that you are acting, Lord, in this room. And so we ask you right now, God, to touch us, Lord, with your, with your presence, to touch us with your revelation, to, to make us like Daniel, God, and to keep us from lions, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there's basically, basically three points to this message, very, very simple I'm going to talk about first cultural pressure, and then I'm going to talk about how we resist cultural pressure. But first, I want to read just the entirety of the story of Daniel chapter 6. It's a good story. You can turn there with me if you have these old analog Bibles, or you can click it if you have a digital one. So uh, read with me now, Daniel chapter 6. Are we going to get this on the screen? I don't know if we are. We might just do it old school, reading along together. All right, so read with me. It says, it pleased Darius, who's the new king of Babylon, okay, he's just conquered the kingdom, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and whom, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. And Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, 
because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to setting himself over the whole king, kingdom, uh, the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps thought to themselves to make a charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. And then these men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, satraps, counselors, and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree. Whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree. Sign it in writing so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed and wrote the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. Other translations say since his youth. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the lion's den? The king answered and said, the, king, the thing is true according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed and makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But these men approached the king and said, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians. No decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke to Daniel, saying, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And a stone was brought, laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring with the signet of his lords, and the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought to him. The king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, and also, king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was exceedingly glad. He commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury was found on him because he believed in his God. Why was no injury found? Because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command. They brought those men who had accused Daniel. They cast them in the lion's den. And just in case you were wondering, are these, Daniel, are these lions old and feeble, or are they toothless, or maybe they're not hungry? As soon as they were cast in the lion's den, them, their wives, and their children, it's a little intense, the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. And King Darius wrote, to all people, nations, languages who dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion, my kingdom, men shall tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion, his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. 
So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Amen. Okay, I know that was a lot, but it was good to read the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Hopefully some things stood out to you guys like we prayed that they would. So again, I'm, I'm not going to, I wanted to read that just because I think there's value in reading the word of God, you know. And when we read the word of God, he gives us revelation and gives us insight. So hopefully some things, as I said, stood out to you. But I just want to identify a few key pressures. And I believe, guys, in, as days grow darker and the nearness of the Lord's return comes closer and closer, um, that there's going to be increased cultural pressure because we know in the last days, the scripture promises and foretells that there's going to be unprecedented wickedness in the, in the earth. And we know that we as believers are going to have to stand in the midst of that unprecedented wickedness. Even the most unjust ruler that's ever been in human history, the most wicked and diabolical, he's far greater than any Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or uh, any Nebuchadnezzar or King Darius, this diabolical ruler, the Antichrist, which is a major character within the book of Daniel. And what's fascinating about the book of Daniel, and, and Jamie probably has explained some of this already, is it gives us a lot of prophecies, but then it also gives us specific stories. And see, I believe the whole book is prophetic in nature in that the prophecies tell us of the things to come, but the stories tell us how we'll have to conduct ourselves in those times of pressure. Okay? And so, though we may not have a political situation right now where if you cross a line, you'll get thrown to the lion's den, we do have many of the same uh, kinds of pressures because the enemy that accused Daniel in the spiritual realm is the same enemy that still accuses us today. And his methods have not changed. He is trying to influence the laws of government through deception, just as these jealous rulers went and influenced the king to make an unjust law. He try, he's, uh, scripture calls Satan the accuser of the brethren, and he is still accusing Christians today, and he does it through many times unjust rulers. And then persecution, the ultimate outcome of those accusations is that pressure and negative consequences uh, oftentimes will happen to Christians. And so these, this threefold kind of systematic way in which pressure comes upon the life of believer, there's injustice, accusation, and then ultimately persecution. I was recently in Washington, D.C. at a ministry, and this particular ministry is actually right across the street from the Supreme Court. You could literally throw a rock and hit the Supreme Court. I don't recommend that because you could get arrested. But if you wanted to do it, you could do it from this particular ministry. It's that close. And you can actually see Clinton was there with me. Am I exaggerating, Clinton? I, did you even try? You tried to throw a rock, didn't you? No, you didn't. But, but you could have. And Congress is, Congress is right there, and the Senate offices are right there. The Dickerson Building, which is the Hart and Dickerson Buildings, are where the senators, U.S. senators work. And uh, I encourage you guys, if you ever get a chance to go to Washington, D.C. and pray, do so. It's an amazing thing um, to just walk the halls of, of where the Senate offices are and see different senators from around our nation who represent literally millions of people. Our, our Georgia senator, J Johnny Isaacson, represents like 11 million people. Um, and it's just amazing uh, that you can walk in and set up an appointment with your representative and go and pray with them. And over the summer, if you were part of that group, some of our Forerunner students, we actually went and prayed for our senator, prayed for Senator Isaacson, if you guys remember that, which was awesome. So I, uh, this ministry that we were at, it was, part of it was actually birthed out of a particular court case. Uh, if you guys remember, I don't want to get too much into the politics of it, but I just want to give it a practical example because there may be some people in here, you're business leaders, or you aspire to be politicians, or you aspire to, to have some influence in culture, 
And when you hear stories like this, it gives you incredible courage. So I share it with you guys as a, as a testimony tonight. So uh, Obamacare, the law that brought health care to many, many Americans in our nation several years ago, um, who here is familiar with the, the term Obamacare? Most of us, right? It also had certain contingencies that required businesses to make medication available that abort children, okay? So it's called the morning after pill, and, um, and it required for businesses to pay for that for their employees if they wanted it through their insurance, okay? And there's a godly man named David Green who's the owner of Hobby Lobby. Who here knows Hobby Lobby? Many knitting fans in the house familiar with Hobby Lobby? Like I went there and got my Christmas tinsel from the Hobby Lobby. We love the Hobby Lobby, don't we? So they were going to require Hobby Lobby to actually purchase this infanticide medicine that aborts babies once they're conceived in their mother's womb uh, the morning after pill. And, and uh, David Green said, I would rather shut down the entirety of my business than, uh, than, than allow this injustice of, of murder uh, for us to, to pay for it. And so the, their case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And they were in, interceding for basically a, 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 a legal injunction to happen so that they wouldn't have to pay for this because they had committed. They were going to, and the Greens give millions and millions of dollars to, to ministries. And so they've given millions of dollars for Bibles in China. And so there's a huge, huge source of resourcing to the kingdom. And I have no doubt that there were demonic principalities influencing laws that were trying to shut down the expansion of the kingdom through this business that has a, a kingdom priority and kingdom mindset. And so a group of leaders gathered at this condominium right there at the Supreme Court, and they interceded and they cried out for justice just as, as Daniel and his friends did in the days when the unjust decree went forth from Nebuchadnezzar that we see in Daniel chapter 1 and 2, right? And they interceded for a shifting of the court and for this unrighteous decree to be overturned. And guess what happened? They won that battle in the spirit. And the court ruled in favor of Hobby Lobby, and they were able to keep the doors of their business open. Pretty amazing, right? And they were granted an actual religious ex exception and exemption uh, from the Obamacare law, and, and they didn't have to close the doors. And so now we can still buy whatever knitting things we need. And the money goes to overseas missions. Praise God. Why do I tell you that story? It's, a, it's kind of a kind of a, a, a political anecdote, but I was in the place where the men were gathered praying in the very room. Actually, Clinton and I stayed in the room where people were praying and interceding. The president of that entire company was there, and afterwards, he actually said, he said, this house needs to be open all the time for people to be interceding for the Supreme Court, and I'm going to buy this building, and I'm going to make it a house of prayer so that whenever there are unjust laws that are happening, people can come here and they can pray for righteous government. It was awesome. Praise God, right? And so there are people that are there praying, gathered there, living there, staying there, and praying for our righteous government. And so I make this point to say, even though we may not get thrown to the lions quite yet, there is still a reality of unjust laws that do harm to the kingdom of God, that try and pressure Christians to compromise against what the word of God says. And the application of, of that pressure and the accusations that come, they can, they can come with a form of maybe not physical persecution, but definitely financial persecution, definitely harm to reputation. And it requires the same principles apply today to standing in the midst of that persecution as they did in Daniel's day. Amen? Amen. So let's take a moment. Let's read a little bit about how these unjust laws came about. Daniel 6. It's fascinating to me. Imagine this, guys. Imagine that you have a reputation among the people that hate you, that you're such a good person, the only thing they can accuse you against you is, is your piety for God. 
They go, we couldn't find any errors. We looked through all his accounting. Not one dollar was misspent. They go, we looked through all the ways in which he manages his people, and we can't find one way in which he's violated or done anything wrong. We looked through all his tax returns, and we didn't find one place in which he spent a dollar inappropriately. They go, there's nothing wrong with him. We can't find any fault with him. And he's got this spirit of excellence, and everything he does, he's successful at, and he's about to be put in charge of all of us. And these guys were a little bit racist, and you can see that when they go to the king of Babylon. They go, and Daniel, you have to understand, he's old at this point. Like, sometimes you read the story, and it's like youthful Daniel. Oh, you know. But he's an old man. He's like 80 years old, and he's, he's outlasted all the kings that he's worked for. It's like King Nebuchadnezzar. He's like working for King Nebuchadnezzar. And then Nebuchadnezzar's like eating grass like a cow. And Nebuchadnezzar's out. Nebuchadnezzar's son is in. Nebuchadnezzar's son gets a little too, uh, gets a little complacent. And he takes some cups from the temple of God. He uses those. Handwriting appears on the wall. They go get Daniel. Daniel goes, hey, man, you're out. And a new king is in. And the new king comes in. And he's like, let's keep Daniel around. You know how uncommon that is? Like you can barely go from a Democratic to a Republican administration and keep, like, one single person. But this guy outlasts people who are, like, overthrowing and looting and burning the city. But they're like, you were in charge last time, but ah, we'll just keep you around, you know. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's, that was the spirit that was in Daniel. He was a faithful, faithful guy. And so the new administration comes in, and instead of being demoted, he gets promoted. And the guys who are under the old administration, they are ticked off. Man, they're upset. They're frustrated, right? Because they wanted to be in charge. And instead, this Jewish guy is in charge. He's a foreigner. And they go to Darius. And they go, this Jew from, you know, exile in Babylon. And so there's even this kind of racial dynamic to, uh, to the way in which they opposed Daniel. They hated his God. They hated his race. They hated that a slave was about to be put as a ruler over them, right? Isn't it amazing how over and over and over again, God takes Joseph, right, favored son, he turns into a slave, and then he gets promoted to the leader of the nation, right? Daniel, he gets sent as a captive into Babylon. He's essentially a slave, and then he gets promoted to chief among the entire nation, right? That's because God's in the business of turning slaves to sons. Close parentheses. That's a freebie. Okay. And not just sons, but princes and rulers. Hallelujah. So, interestingly, so these guys come, and they say, King Darius, live forever, and they're going to flatter him, right? And they flatter him, and they say, everybody got together, and we think nobody should pray to anybody but you, King Darius, because you're the man. And anybody that doesn't try to, and archaeologists have actually found the lion's pits in Babylon. There's historical evidence that they actually did this, the places where there are dead carcasses and things. And the Babylonians really did throw people to lions. Uh, pretty intense. And so he says, Throw people into the, the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the decree. Sign it in writing so it can't be changed. And it says, Darius signed the written decree. And when Daniel gets wind of it, can you imagine? You hear the news. And I don't think we can quite. I can't imagine a more horrible death than being torn limb from limb by a wild animal. Can you imagine something more horrific? I mean, that's pretty horrific. It's hard for us even to imagine that. I think we all need to go like on YouTube and watch like a gazelle getting taken out by a lion. Um, because, you know, Daniel was familiar with this. He'd probably seen people executed this way. He'd heard the screams. And he hears, if, if I pray, and it wasn't, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just you had to pray to the king. It's don't pray to anybody else. And Daniel goes, 
man, I can make a choice right now. What if I just don't pray for 30 days? You know, what if I just, and I think Daniel's prayers were so effectual. We see later on that Daniel, his intercession actually shifts principalities and powers and leads to the deliverance of the children of Israel. And I think the devil was actually going, we've got to put a stop to this guy's prayer life. I think there was a counter force that was happening these guys are going, yeah, let's get him out of power, but Satan's scheme is really to shut down his prayer life, right? Because Daniel's prayer life as a man of faithfulness in a position of authority had the ability to move angels and demons, and the devil's like, we got to stop him praying at all costs. Let's shut him down for 30 days. Let's make prayer a life or death issue, right? And Daniel goes, I prayed since the days of my youth three times a day. I've seen what it's like for people to be eaten by lions. And you know what? I'm going to count the cost. And I'm going to say it's better for me to keep praying even if I get eaten by a lion. Now, guys, we cannot. Now, that sounds, but I mean, seriously, comprehend that thought. You guys would be like, I think I'm going to take like a 30-day sabbatical from my prayer life. Like, think about all the internal justifications. Like, or maybe just close the windows, Daniel. Like, I'll keep praying. I'll just it says pray in secret. We'd all be like quoting the verses on pray in the secret place. Be like, the Bible says pray in secret, right? That's obviously what the Lord wants. He's really wanting me to refine the secret place this season of my life so I don't get eaten by a lion, right? It's only 30 days, right? I mean, just think about, but really you're like, no. And Daniel goes, I'm going to go home, okay? I'm going to open up the windows. And he's on to, he's not an ignorant guy. He gets politics. He knows these guys literally want me to get eaten by lions. And there they are outside his window waiting to hear if he prays. And it's morning prayer time. He swings open the windows. He gets down on his knees and he prays as he always had since the days of his youth. And they hear him downstairs and they go, oh, he's praying. Oh, we're going to get him. But he doesn't just do it one time. He confronts that fear, that pressure, and then he ends his prayer time and he waits till lunchtime. He opens the windows again. He goes, all right, let's keep going. Gets down on his knees. He prays again. And they're like, oh, he's praying again. We're going to get him, right? Evening prayer time comes. He gets in. They go, he prayed three times. He's done. He's out. And they go to the king and they go, king, didn't you write that law that says anybody that prays to anybody but you gets thrown in the lions? Well, that guy that you like a whole lot, Daniel, the one you were going to promote, he doesn't honor you. He disobeys your law. He prayed three times today. Busted. Three strikes and you're out, Daniel. And the king, he tries to kind of search the law and see if he can find a loophole because he realizes these guys, just because of their jealousy, that's the only reason. And he understands he's been deceived. But his law is unalterable according to the Medes and Persians. It says that like six times in the story. And so the, the penalty was that the guy was going to get thrown to the lion's den. But it doesn't say they have to get eaten. So there's a little loophole. So Darius is like, well, I'll throw him in the lion's den, but if he doesn't get eaten, then at least I did my, you know. And so Darius is looking for, looking for, he's looking for any loophole he can, right? And he, he, he's in it with Daniel. He's, his heart is moved by Daniel's faithfulness. And so they come and they do the accusation. They say there's, he shows no regard for you. And then they throw Daniel into the lion's den. And I just want you guys to imagine, right? A den of lions. I don't know how many lions, four, five, six lions. And they're there. And the purpose of these lions is to execute people. So they keep the lions hungry so that when you get thrown in there, the lion will eat you. And so the lion is waiting for its meal. 
and and the thing opens and there are the lions and you get thrown in and the seal the the uh the lions den gets sealed and you're in there in the dark with the lions. Let me just imagine that for a second. And you know what I think Daniel does in that moment? And this is what is so important for us to understand. When the pressure is on, guys, that is not the time to get a prayer life. Daniel drops to his knees and does more of what got him in trouble in the first place. And he goes, well, here we are, God. (laughs) Here we are, God, you and me. These lions want to eat me. They haven't eaten me yet. And he prays, right? And he prays. So a lifestyle of prayer. I just want to just take note this simple phrase, you know. Daniel prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. And my question to you guys is for the days ahead when the pressure is on, when your job is in jeopardy, when your family's in jeopardy, when the accusations of the enemy have come upon you in some way, when persecution and the enemy is going about like a roaring lion, seeking one whom he may devour, will you have been vigilant and sober in the place of prayer? Will you be prepared in the place of prayer from the day when the pressure is on? Will you have cultivated a lifestyle of prayer? Secondly, I believe a lifestyle of prayer is empowered by a lifestyle of faithfulness. And that's the amazing thing. The interesting thing is Darius, who is this king, he knew both Daniel's enemies and Daniel's friends both knew when Darius appeals to him twice, he says, the God whom you serve continually. Some versions say night and day. I like that one because it shows me that Daniel was into the house of prayer, right? This God whom you serve night and day, right? Continually. This God, I, I believe he'll deliver you. And it's just awesome. There is a testimony of faithfulness in Daniel's life. And I believe when we combine a, a, a lifestyle of frequency of prayer with a lifestyle of faithfulness of character, you get powerful intercession, right? Because the prayers of a righteous man, James chapter 5 tell us, avails much. Amen? King Darius comes to the lion's den, back page 2. It says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel says, he responds to him, I'll take a moment, I want to read that, actually, what he says. I love it. This is the first time in the whole story you hear Daniel speak. Oh, king, live forever. What? Daniel, what do you mean? This guy just threw you in a lion's den. All right. That's some humility right there. Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so they have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent before him. And, oh, king, I've done no wrong before you. I love Hebrews 11.32. It makes an indirect reference to the life of Daniel. And this is the third point. We have to have a consistency in prayer. And it's too late when the pressure's on to get that prayer life. And then we have to have a faithfulness in our testimony and, and righteousness. It says in Psalm 24, it says, Let he who has clean hands and a pure heart ascend the hill of the Lord. Let him come into the presence of God and ask. And thankfully, the blood of Jesus can cleanse our hands and cleanse our heart. Amen. But we have to apply that blood to our sins in a very intentional way. We have to confess our sins and repent of them and turn away from them so that we can have a purity and intimacy that is unbroken in connection to God. And then the third thing that Daniel had is he had absolute faith in God. Hebrews 11.32, it says, What more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of 
talks about Gideon and Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. And then he says, those who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, and through who faith stopped the mouths of lions. Do you know what that verse tells me? There was a part to play that Daniel had to play that God would not do for him. And Daniel wasn't in there trying to wrestle those lions, keeping their mouths shut. He couldn't do it in his own strength, right? But the power of his faith cultivated through his purity and intimacy and intercession allowed him when he hits the the den of lions, when he hits the ground in the den of lions, I believe Daniel hits the ground and and, uh, his knees hit the floor. And he begins to pray. And I believe his intercession, his agreement with God stops the mouths of lions. Amen. Now I told you guys the name of this message. What's the name of this message? How to not get eaten by a lion. Right? Turn with me, First Peter 5 8. See, because we don't have, only have to be careful of physical lions. First Peter 5 8 tells us that the devil roves around like a roaring lion, seeking one whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, there were physical lions that Daniel had to face, but far before he got to the physical lions, there were spiritual lions that he had to tackle. There was the accusation whispered to him, I'm sure, by the devil when he's praying in that upper room, just shut the windows, Daniel. Just stop praying, Daniel. Just don't do it for a little while, Daniel. But he remains faithful and steadfast because he was vigilant in the place of prayer, right? And my challenge to most of us, some of us, it's about a prayer life that we need to maintain. But for others, it's about a prayer life you need to start. So when in, in many years from now, you encounter the kinds of pressure Daniel did, you'll be able to stand fast in those days. And the thing that I was feeling earlier, and you can, uh, the worship team can come on up, I promise, 9.15, and I'm going to make good on my promise tonight. Because that's all I have to say. I'm at the end of my notes. Be sober and vigilant. The devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking one whom he may devour. Right? There are those, I know that there are those in this room. The devil is trying to consume you with lust. The devil is trying to devour you with your former addictions. The devil is trying to pressure you. And you want to know how you can stand fast against the devil? 1 Peter 5.8, it describes actually the lifestyle of Daniel. You don't want to get eaten by a lion? Beloved, develop a prayer life. You don't want to get eaten by a lion? Beloved, remain faithful to God in the hours of testing. You don't want to get eaten by a lion? Trust God that he would shut the mouth of the devourer when he comes to tempt you. See, because we may not have to be concerned about being eaten by physical lions, but there is a real adversary that would love to consume you with your sinful passions. And beloved, God, if you will have faith in him, he will deliver you. And I believe there's some in this room, you're in need of deliverance in this season of your life. You're in need of God to literally shut the mouths of the lions. And what I want to invite you to do tonight in our altar call is to have faith. For God to establish you in that place of prayer. To establish you in that faithfulness of your witness. So that literally when you pray, the mouths of lions are shut. Amen? Amen. I believe that there is a fire that God wants to give this generation. That will literally, instead of being eaten up with the passions of our flesh, we would be eaten up with desire for God. And I just sense... 
that even tonight that God wants to impart an anointing of hunger to some of you in this place, that you would begin to press in like Daniel pressed in for breakthrough, even in hours when there's natural pressure, financial pressure, accusation in the spirit, accusation in the natural, but that you would not quit until the breakthrough comes. Persevering prayer. Holy Ghost anointed prayer. Prayer that brings the breakthrough. Prayers that shuts the mouth of the accuser. Do you know that in the book of Revelation, it says of the... Uh, it says of the beast, it says that he will have a mouth like a lion, right? See, in the days to come, we believe this is a picture of, uh, of how we are to persevere in the days of Antichrist. And literally in a future generation, perhaps our generation, perhaps a generation to come, they're going to be those who have to stand before this, this man, the most diabolical, uh, demonic man that's ever existed in human history, one whom the scripture describes prophetically as having a mouth like the lion. And we're going to have to stand before him just like Daniel stood before Nebuchadnezzar and stood before Darius. And we're going to have to stand and we're going to have to be willing to pray in that hour and persevere continually. So I want to invite us to stand together and we're just going to give this altar call. So stand with me now. I don't ever want to hype or exaggerate anything, but I do really feel like... Um, the, the anointing of fire, the Holy Spirit's fire is something that is, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit in many different ways, but, and we pray often for fire, but I just feel like tonight, that is the picture of what God wants to impart. And I believe instead of being, <laughs> instead of being consumed by lions, we 